0: From my studio, uh, where you see me every single time for Shout to Buffalo Bills football podcast, I am Matt Perino, and somewhere lost in the desert, the random bedroom uh, at a family member's house uh, in Arizona, Ryan Talbot back in the house. I missed your your beautiful face, my friend. We had Sal Mayorana pinch-hitting for you a couple days ago. He was great, but I missed my uh, tag team partner. What's up, buddy?
1: Hey, not too much. Beautiful here in Peoria. We've had 70s and 80s every day, so loving it out here, Uh, but getting ready and bracing myself to get back to the cold of Western New York this weekend.
0: It's been like up and down. It's been like hot and cold. Like, I feel like a couple days ago it was super cold, and then I went out yesterday, and the kids were in shorts playing outside. It was almost 50 degrees. It's like, it's... It's Buffalo. It's it's February. Like you never know. It's kind of a crapshoot. All right. I got to, before we get into the, the bulk of this episode, I got to take issue with one of my colleagues on the Buffalo bills beat. That being Matthew Beauvais, co-host coming. of game day in Buffalo with our good, good buddy, Sal Capaccio. Listen, this was so egregious that this had to be addressed at the jump. He, he dropped a hot take today and he said, Hot take, let me bring it up because I don't want to misquote him and and put him in a a bad spot. It's already bad enough what he said, um, but I had multiple reactions to it. And I think everybody watching or listening at home will also have reactions to this. He said, I don't like The Sandlot. Ryan Talbot, The Sandlot is one of my favorite, not only sports movies, not only nostalgic movies. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I am absolutely hurt. I almost feel like I took an overhand right from Bovet.
1: Yeah, listen, that's one of the first tweets I saw this morning, and he just like woke up and chose violence. There was no rhyme or reason to just throw that out there. And then he had our buddy Tim Graham agreeing with him, by the way, uh, saying it wasn't that good of a movie, but I'm with you. It's one of my favorite movies growing up, sports movies, especially. Um, you know, sometimes on those longer drives when we have to fire up a DVD for the kids, I have the sandlot as one of the options for them. So, uh, definitely a movie that I've grew up with and and enjoyed quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Just absolutely. Just egregiousness across the board from Beauvais and TG. Uh, we'll talk about that next week at the NFL scouting combine. We're going to start dipping our toes in those waters here, uh, on today's episode, because, Basically, I put out a an ask to the Shout Buffalo Bills insiders group uh, a couple weeks ago, and I asked for um, what's one move if you were Brandon Bean's assistant and you can pound the table and one move was going to get done this weekend or this uh, off season. What would it be? It could be a dream move. It could be just one like you know player or position that you want. And and we kind of like um, made our way through all of these responses, and we're going to kind of go through them one by one here today. And, and you can become a shout insider. We're gonna be doing these fan driven episodes all throughout the offseason. And all you got to do to become an insider is text seven one six five two eight six seven two seven. That's seven one six five two eight six seven two seven. Take get a two week free trial to start. Then it's three ninety nine a month after that. And next week from Indianapolis, you are gonna get all of my first on the ground, first thoughts, first uh um, you know, uh reporting everything like that is going to get funneled in to that text line uh, and it's a great time to become a subscriber the shout text line is brought to you by carrie c buyer attorney with the law offices of francis m litro located at 237 main street buffalo new york if you or someone you know is seriously injured give them a call 716-852-1234 or check out litrolaw.com all right let's pull these up ryan and we're going to start um, with, with the most recent that we're sent, back, sent in, and we're going to kind of make our way through this, this entire list, which I think is about maybe 20, 20 deep here. We'll start with Chris Colston, uh, who who texts in and says, trade back and gain two high second-round picks to get a wideout and to Vondre Sweat. Sweat is a bulldozer who can collapse the pocket, keep smaller players like Oliver Bernard and Milano clean. He makes you better in four spots not just one. And I got to tell you right now, this came in this morning when I put a, a call back out to the insiders and I couldn't agree with him more, Chris, because I am firmly in the camp where I will be comfortable if you're getting to 28 and you have four or five wide receivers off the board, like we have seen in a couple of the recent years to go in a different position and maybe even elect to trade back if you don't have a high enough grade because at 28 ryan that's going to be a really tough spot and trading up which a few people are uh, are suggesting uh in their dream moves this offseason um that might yield uh, a pick high enough to get a wide receiver but it might not like you might not be able to get up high enough to get one of these top three maybe four if you consider brian thomas in that mix so i think the idea of moving back, accumulating more draft capital, they're going to have, we'll see how free agency goes, but I think they're going to have to fill a lot of holes. Um, you go back, you might be able to, maybe it's not sweat, maybe it's another defensive play, defensive line player, and then you come back with a second round wide receiver, which is where I think you'll get value for that position. And we've seen in recent years, teams do that and find studs at that position.
1: Yeah. So listen, if it nets you sweat and another player that will come in and most likely start, I love that idea. I love that plan. I love sweat as a player and a prospect. Uh, It's no secret the defensive tackle is a a position of need for this team with Ed Oliver being the only player under contract uh, at the position. So in, in terms of ideas, I'm all on board with that because like you said, where the Bills are picking, they could make a small trade and move up into the early 20s, something like that, with all the draft capital that they have. But if they stay put, I think they'd be very lucky if Brian Thomas Jr. was there from LSU. Uh, Troy Franklin is a definitely more of a realistic option there, and I do like him a lot. I'd be on board with that. Uh, Keon Coleman seems to be slipping in, in these mock drafts right now, and obviously they're mock drafts. Uh, the Combine and a lot of other areas could raise his stock, but... Those are the types of receivers you're probably looking at at 28 best-case scenario. So if you wanted to trade back and, and get a, an impact defensive starter and then maybe another wide receiver uh, late in early on in the second round or a safety that's another position of need, I really don't mind that idea. So in, in terms of you know what we asked for the, the fan base, not only do I think that's a great plan, it's a realistic plan.
0: You know, one name and uh, one of our insiders, I think it was Christine, maybe. And if it wasn't Christine or somebody else, sorry about that. Asked about uh, Adane Mitchell, the wide receiver from Texas, who had, you know, one of his premier games as a college player was against Washington. I'm still uh, going to go back and, and, and make my way through that to learn a little bit more about the player because he could be a guy that's in the mix there. And, you know, I bring him up on Daniel Jeremiah's big board and he has him ranked as the 34th best player in this draft. That could change uh, after a week at the combine when, when he refreshes this list. But he says Mitchell has outstanding size, toughness, and polish for the position. Deceptively fast because of his long stride. He has surprisingly good route polish for a bigger receiver. He understands how to change tempo and he's clean getting in and out of breaks. He gave Kool-Aid McKinstry a lot of trouble in the Alabama game last September, finishing with three catches for 78 and two touchdowns. He has some wild catches on fades and 50, 50 balls. He can climb the ladder, hang and finish, uh, go see his touchdown against Washington in the college football playoff. It looks like he gets a little lazy at times on the backside of routes, assuming the ball is going elsewhere. He doesn't have a ton of production after the catch. Although, Um, Mitchell is an ideal X receiver, which to me is what the bills need. He can, uh, make plays when covered and he's a real weapon in the red zone. He's somebody that's, I'm going to be watching closely next week. And I think from a, um, combine perspective, what he runs, if he does run, I haven't seen if, you know, there's always a couple wide receivers that are in the top mix that don't run in Indy, but he's somebody I'm going to be watching closely.
1: Yeah, definitely keeping an eye on him. And, you know, part of that scouting report is sometimes gives up on the back end of plays. If he were to land in Buffalo, I think he would learn very quickly that a play is never over with Josh Allen as the quarterback. Uh, He's someone that can, you know, break out of the pocket and make things happen. So that would be one area that you'd have to feel confident that he would be able to grow and learn as a player to not just kind of give up on plays and assume that a ball is going somewhere else. Uh, Timothy Hutchins next.
0: I would trade Stefan Diggs for a top 15 pick, use 15 and 27 and trade up to number four to try and get Marvin Harrison. I have an issue with the the mortgaging, you know, your I don't want to say your future, but a lot of your roster by going up that high to get a guy like Marvin Harrison who seems like a can't-miss player. Uh, let me get your thoughts on this before I kind of drop mine.
1: I mean, one, you're you're getting rid of your best receiver to make this trade. You're giving up a lot of draft capital where the Bills have a ton of free agents. I love Marvin Harrison Jr., the prospect. I just don't think it's in the cards for the Bills.
0: That's it. I don't think it's in the cards, but I also think it's a dangerous game to play. If you're going up to get the player that everybody says is a can't miss, you know, we've seen it in in recent draft years where, you know, maybe like, you know, Drake London. And I don't think Drake London was getting the same kind of hype that um, Marvin Harrison has gotten. And listen, he is a uh, the son of a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He you know, the bloodline is there. Uh speaking of the bloodline, you know, WWE's kind of got me kind of coming back a little bit. I got some I got some hot takes on this whole rock Cody Rhodes um uh tribal chief stuff that's going on. I'm not I'm gonna save that for a future episode, but just know Ryan, that's in the back pocket. Um, but you look at a guy like Drake London, who ends up being the first uh wide receiver taken in that class, and guys that were taken behind him, like the three or four guys behind him, have had had more productive careers to this point, so I think selling out so much when we when we see in as recently as the playoffs. Look, look in the NFC title game. Look in the divisional round. Look in the wild card round. I look at guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, who was a third round draft pick for the Detroit Lions. I look at a guy like Tank Dell, who could have been had in the second round last year. Now, I'm not saying don't draft Osiris Torrance. You, you needed that player. You needed that position. I think landing him where they landed him was a a coup for Brandon Bean. But I think if you look at the the guys, you know, getting aggressive maybe instead of trading up in the first round, maybe you 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 knock out a couple of needs in round 1 and round 2, then you get aggressive when it won't cost as much to kind of maneuver around in the third round to get like some of those like bottom of the top 90 players that you're still getting a ton of value in that third round. Like I got to think about um a couple of years ago with, you know, when they drafted Dawson Knox and Devin Singletary in the same third round.
1: Yeah, I mean, third round is a sweet spot for the draft where you get guys that fall. Uh, I I feel like some of the needs the Bills have are players that would be in that range, in that uh, third round range. Defensive tackles, I mean, that's a a spot where I think a lot of good defensive tackles are going to fall. Safety is a position that uh, never seems to have teams clamoring to grab them in round one. So round two, round three, you can still get some pretty good safeties. And both of those positions come to mind as needs for the bills. So uh, with all the draft capital that you have with the compensatory pick, you're going to be getting from the bears for Tremaine Edmonds with some of the later picks that you have on day three. uh, Definitely, you know, feel free to package some of those day three picks to move up and, and get some other guys that you think can come in, and you know, maybe not start immediately. You would hope they could start immediately, even in the third round. But being realistic, knowing this regime, knowing that they're a little hesitant sometimes, unless it's a higher pick, um, knowing that they could at least be a key contributor as a rookie.
0: Sheila coming at you in the comments here, Ryan. You could tell Ryan's on vacation. He's all kicking him his feet up and kind of sitting back in the chair. Looks like he's on vacation. He's enjoying it.
1: That's right. I definitely am having a great time here with some family and uh, and enjoying this week off in the warmth.
0: Uh, John Robert asks over on Facebook, what do you think about uh, Malachi Corley wide receiver? I believe out of Western Kentucky. He's somebody that Daniel Jeremiah has been absolutely raving about uh, since the senior bowl. But again, he's kind of in that lad McConkie, you know, style of receiver you know I think the Bills already have that guy on the, on the on the roster and Khalil Shakir right and I don't know it even if you're high on Corley or high on McConkey, it just it doesn't fit unless you have some type of idea on how to feature two kind of slot-ish receivers in your offense when you're already kind of playing this game of trying to how to figure out a way to feature two tight ends.
1: Yeah, you need those outside receivers in Buffalo more than anything else right now. Uh, I think he's a really good prospect. Just doesn't necessarily fit what the Bills need and are looking for.
0: Um, all right, so let's go to the next one here. Kate Bob, one of our regulars, our long-time uh, uh, dedicated insiders. Bean needs to re-sign Daquan Jones and give Rasul Douglas an, an extension. Where are you on both of those things?
1: Russell Douglas an extension makes a ton of sense to me, Um, and I'm looking in that three, maybe four year range at most, considering his age. But he came right in, uh, made an impact. He's someone that made a big impact in Green Bay too, both on the field and in the locker room. I I think that he solves a lot of, uh, he answers a lot of problems that the Bills may have had at that cornerback position long term. If you can extend him and then it also frees up some cap space now which the bills need entirely you know rasul douglas taryn johnson are two guys that i was signed to extensions in a heartbeat lower the cap and keep guys like that on the roster daquan jones oh you pause want to go before
0: ahead? you go on to daquan jones because sure. i want to spend a minute here is your extension for rasul douglas have anything to do with what you think they should do with TreDavius white
1: I would honestly say yes and no. I mean, I'm not thinking Trey White right now when I'm saying you should extend Douglas, but I get that line of thinking because two serious lower body injuries. Uh, we know it so took you a are.
0: While. You are extend Douglas no matter what with Trey White,
1: whether he's no on the roster what. or not. Okay. Yep. Yep. No matter what. I, I think he's that good of a player. I think he's that good of a fit for what this team is doing. Um, and you know, uh, they obviously are a little bit older on the back end. When you look at the guys that they've had here the last few years and hide and poyer at safety, um, you know, Trey white is starting to get up there in age in terms of how long he's been in this league. And I know Douglas is no young guy himself. Uh, but you need someone that you have confidence in that's been healthy, that can contribute and, and play a big role. I know that they've done a nice job developing these younger players, Uh, Christian Benford obviously comes to mind, but over the years, Dane Jackson, guys that aren't here anymore, Levi Wallace. And that's obviously a coach that's no longer with the team either in terms of the development part of it. But, uh, yeah, I would want a proven entity there at cornerback.
0: To me, the Douglas extension makes the most sense. If you're, if you're moving on from Trey white, if you're not moving on from Trey white, then, what are you doing with Trey White? Like, what's the long-term plan? Is it like going to go into this season, let him kind of work his way back, see where he's at, and then kind of move on uh, later or maybe hope that he kind of returns to form, plays out his contract, and then you think about what's next there? Do you feel comfortable with having him on the roster as potentially going into next season as the third cornerback, making the money that he is? That's part of it. But then I also look at this cornerback class, Ryan. All of a sudden, there is a ton of noise about this cornerback class being one of the deepest in the draft. I think you could probably pluck another future developmental player out of this draft class, get him on a four-year um, rookie deal, and you don't even have to get him high. You can get him on day three. Now you're talking about somebody that's super cost effective. And if you bring Douglas back, I think you have your one. Uh, and I think you make the argument that maybe Christian Benford is a one-two, and they're but one A, one B. And then you you have Kyer Elam fight it out, you draft somebody, and then who knows? Maybe you sign uh, a free agent, maybe Levi Wallace, uh, you know, is, is a guy that maybe ends up back here. Although with John Butler here, I don't know if that makes as much sense. But Dane Jackson's out there. There's there's a lot of different things that they can do. Um, to me, it's it's almost like I don't want to say it's Douglas or White. But I feel like whatever you do with White affects how you approach the future with Douglas.
1: And, and that's fair. And you know, you, you look at Trey White's deal. If you were going to release him, it'd probably have to be the post-June first release designation. Uh there's a lot of, you know, there's dead cap though that you have to eat either way. Um is this someone that they have a lot of confidence in coming back, bouncing back. I know that Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean have said nothing but good things about white in terms of the rehab process always in you know in the building working hard trying to get back trying to get to the player he once was uh but after a second injury like that who knows if he'll ever return to form uh, i think he was struggling to return to form in in this last stint before the injury that occurred against Miami he was playing better but he was he never looked like that player that uh, we grew accustomed to here early in his career in buffalo that really was a uh true number one cornerback for this team. So I get the talking point. Uh, I, I get Kyrie Elam right now. You know, he has a new lease on life in, in terms of his opportunity here in Buffalo. Uh, and very possible he, he makes the most of that. And then you have him, you have Benford. And then, you know, if you do extend Douglas, then you're kind of in that same spot in terms of what do you do with these guys? Uh, having so many different cornerback options, it's a good problem to have, but yeah, I, I definitely see where you're going from. And then for the other part with Daquan Jones, I like Dequan Jones. I'd be all all about him coming back, but age is a factor. Um, it, you know, injuries. Is this going to be something where he, he suffers another injury that he misses significant time? It, it could certainly happen. The older you get, the more prone you are to injuries. He's been a great fit for Buffalo, but he's also going to go out into free agency in my mind, and, and he's looking for that one last deal where he can make the most money, uh, and maybe that ends up being in in Buffalo. But I think he's going to truly test the market, and that makes it tough for me to say that uh, you know he needs to be back. I get it's a position of need. I know he, how good he's been, but I also know there are some guys in this draft and in free agency that you can bring in at a lower rate that might be able to contribute and help.
0: Yeah, and I mean, he'll turn 33 next season. He He's not young. The projection on his contract is one year, $6.8 million, which I think if you – Put a little back-end money on that. You can get that number down and figure it out. Maybe if you're the Bills and you really think he's going to play into his um, the next two years, maybe give him a two-year deal, a little security, a little guaranteed money on the second year to keep that 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 number down. He's somebody that I don't see the style of play, um, him ever being at a spot over the next two years where he can at least be your third uh, defensive tackle in a rotation. Even if he took a step back, I still think he's starter quality next year. And if he takes a step back the next year, you can kind of um put him in that like backup role where his his percentage comes down. But you know, I think it's a valid criticism that as good as he's been for them, stabil- stabilizing as he's been when it's mattered most in the playoffs, he hasn't even been available or he struggled because he was coming back from this injury. Like a lot of people said, like, oh, Daquan Jones was not good against the Chiefs. Yeah, he wasn't, but he was playing at probably 60, 70%. He's playing with right. one arm. I mean, it's tough to, to go up against that interior uh, knowing that you're, you're you're that banged up.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, Ed Oliver wasn't good against the Chiefs either. I think mean, he'd be the first person to tell you that. And he had an outstanding season. I mean, for whatever reason, that D-line has not shown up in those meaningful games, and Jones is included in that.
0: All right, let's go to the next one here. David Trelizio says, is this when Ryan will be in a closet? Unfortunately, we don't have the closet, Ryan. Um, no, no closet, he came no. out of the closet for this one. That's okay. Um, he said they loved uh, – So, or no, I, I think he was referring to you uh, at some point talking about like uh, a different location, so he didn't think it would happen. Um, saw a mock draft yesterday where the Bills picked defensive line. I will lose my mind if we do that first round of the draft. So I would go for defense and free agency or trade for defense. So we draft offense. I get the hesitation to embrace defense in the first round, knowing that that's been a consistent part of building this, this roster. But um, I do think that they need impact players still on the defensive side of the ball. And if you think about it, if Diggs is back, they're returning 10 of 11 starters if Davis leaves in free agency on offense. So there's stability there. They still scored, you know, don't forget this, like they they scored more points against the Chiefs in the playoffs than any other of the three teams, right? The Bills scored three touchdowns in their game, the other three teams combined scored four. So this was an offense that I think did enough to win. I think that you needed to, you know, a couple more stops from your defense. And so right. if I'm looking at this build I'm looking at where they are at with this roster. You need a couple more impact players getting younger on the defensive side of the ball. And that's one area that I think has been where um, Brett Veach has done an amazing job is continually replenishing the numbers on that defensive line. And it's not always with day one picks. He's throwing in day two, day three picks They're They're drafting defensive tackles. They're they're drafting edge rushers. They drafted an edge rusher last year in the first round and the year before with George Karloftis.
1: Yeah. And Karloftis has really come on and become a really good player for them. And, um, you're right. You watch that game back and then you watch the following week against the Ravens, uh, Ravens Chiefs, that is. And you say, boy, if the Bills had that Ravens defense, there's no doubt in your mind that the Bills offense would have been able to do enough to win that game. The The Ravens were hit with two touchdowns early on in the game and then they settled in and they really did kind of shut down Mahomes and company for most of the rest of that game. It's just that their offense couldn't do anything. So I get that talking point. I understand it completely. Uh, You could go in free agency and and get a Curtis Samuel or a uh, Darnell Mooney uh, Jr. kind of player to kind of bring in and compete for that number two role draft wide receiver on day two in round two or three to compete for those snaps. And then, you know, maybe in the first round, there is a prospect that you have fallen in love with on defense. and. You know, I said earlier in the show, safety is a position where uh, a lot of guys fall into round two. But maybe there'll be a guy there that they say this is a is close to a can't miss prospect, and they're very old at safety, so maybe that's the the route they go. Defensive tackle, we mentioned Sweat. I could easily see Sweat going at the end of round one uh, if you want to go defensive tackle. But edge rusher is is still a need for the Bills. Uh, Greg Rousseau, whom I think is a very good player, he's become elite as a run stopper. But I, I don't know how much more we're going to get out of him as a pass rusher. And I hope that he's going to have that same kind of uh, ascension as an AJ Epinesa, where the next, you know, next year he takes another step forward as, as in terms of the pass rush. But Epinesa could leave in free agency, Leonard Floyd could leave in free agency. We don't know what Von Miller is going to look like coming back this year. Um, so an edge rusher is a need. Um, but obviously in the end of round one, it's a bit of a crap shoot too, in terms of you're not getting an elite of the elite at that position. Um, those guys fly off the board pretty quickly, even in draft classes where they're quarterback wide receiver heavy, like this one is in terms of that elite talent, there, there's going to be someone that takes some of those great edge rushers either, you know, late in the top 10 or early on in those teens. So the bills would have to have a lot of conviction about one of them, if they're going to take them at 28, but you know, defense makes more sense than I think people are giving it credit for.
0: So real quick on Greg Rousseau, the fifth round or the fifth year option on him is going to come in at about 13.7 million, according to overthecap.com Are you a slam dunk that that should they should pick up his fifth year option at that number?
1: Slam dunk. No, but confident that they will yes um there, there's a you know a slam dunk to me is like a, a a guy with either side of the ball that's like a you know all pro or a multiple pro bowl type player and that's not rousseau but i think rousseau has earned that fifth year option i think he, like i said mm-hmm. elite as a run stopper Uh, I still think there's more to him as a pass rusher. We just haven't seen it yet. So uh, for me, for a one-year deal, yeah, I I think that you pick up the option and maybe you try to negotiate a long-term deal knowing that you have him uh, on that contract for that one year. To me,
0: I almost don't want to get to that point with the fifth year option. I might be aggressive in negotiating an extension. Like if you believe in the player, you know how young he is when you drafted him. I mean, he you still are going to have a ton of leeway or runway, I should say, with his prime. I try to get an extension done now as opposed to trying to get that fit that 13 million in next year. Um, in, in a year where, listen, the, the cap's going to go up that we've already talked about it this week. The cap's probably going to go up, um, even more than thought than believe this year. But I just think with, with, you know, paying Josh and some of the other stuff that they have to do, I don't love the idea of having to eat that 13.7 when I think you could probably get, you know, maybe you end up with an AAV around there for Rousseau on an extension, but you definitely can be like, get those first couple of years of it, like a little bit lower.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, if Rousseau and his you know, agency is on board with that, I think that's a great plan. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked, though, if they want to see the Bills pick that option up first and then go to the negotiating table. Morgan Halstead is next.
0: So in 2020, I bought my first Bills jersey since Doug Flutie purchased a Cole Beasley jersey. The following year in 21-22, I bought a Tremaine Edmonds jersey. This year, I purchased a Matt Milano and Stefan Diggs jersey. So I would ask Brandon Bean to take back my magical powers of ruining a Bills (laughs) playing career. Um, I think this is such a funny, you know, uh, topic because it's like, and he said, don't worry, uh, he or she. um, I will never buy a Josh Allen jersey because of this. Maybe there's something, somebody whose career should be ruined. Let me know what jersey I should purchase to get rid of them uh but i feel like the jersey curse is so funny to talk about because like nothing's worse than like getting a guy's jersey and then before long they're off the team and then you have to wear that jersey to the game
1: yeah no i I agree completely and listen maybe he needs to go off the bills route and get a patrick mahomes jersey and uh see if that can help the bills out a little bit next year and into the future but it, jerseys are funny in in terms of fans that will take them off mid-game because it's bringing bad luck or uh you know thinking it has something to do with the, the career of a player uh, i remember you know growing up and this is sad i remember some of the stores only having like brian mormon jerseys and that kind of tells you the state of the bills at that time where mormon was like one of the biggest sellers of jerseys and i actually as a you know teenager i guess it would put me uh had one of those and you had a kicker jersey Ryan. oh i um, loved brian mormon loved I'm mormon i'm um you. kicker jersey. That's, tisk, fair. Tisk. that's fair and you know before i was covering the bills on the beat as a wedding present Joel got me a terrell owens jersey because that was the year that terrell he was owens jersey. In, in buffalo and i just i knew that owens wasn't there for long um but i i loved him in san francisco um and I just thought, you know, I thought that was a cool jersey to have too, but obviously nothing really happened there. So I've been there in terms of having jerseys where the player wasn't there for long and it didn't really pan out. But, uh, it, you know, happy shopping, get another jersey, maybe, a, you know, the, the first round pick, and you'll see that it's not all bad. Something good will eventually happen when you get one of these jerseys. Um,
0: Morgan closes with, I would get another powerful receiver. It's time. Diggs isn't going anywhere. He's under contract. Even uh, if we wanted to get rid of him, and I don't, but he needs somebody that is just as good as he is or was at his in his prime, and I think that that is a, is a common theme shared amongst a lot of Bills fans. Uh, Kevin Carmody, I want to try to fly through a couple more of these so we can get yeah. to him. If I'm the Bills front office, I do everything to get Rome Adunze, the wide receiver from uh, Washington. If he falls to around 15 with a possible run on quarterbacks early. Buffalo needs to trade up and get him If the compensation is less than a future first dude is a stud. He is the downfield threat needed to make big plays. Very strong hands, physical great ball skills would be exactly what Buffalo has been lacking. Oh, Oregon. Sorry. Being an Oregon fan. I watched him and, uh, oh no, he went to Washington, right? Yeah. Okay. I watched him and Kincaid destroy, uh, the ducks the past couple of years. Looking forward to the next show. Thanks for all the insight this season. What do you think?
1: I'd be shocked if he fell into the teens. Um, I'm the, I guess I shouldn't say that because there are three quarterbacks that could go. You're going to have Marvin Harrison Jr. Neighbors could go in in front of Rome. Uh, the, you're going to get the tight end there from Georgia, likely going in some defense play. I, anything's possible, but to leap from 28 even into the low teens, I don't know how you do that without giving up a future first right. and. I'm not opposed to giving up a future first. If the bills feel like they're going to be just as good this upcoming season as they've been the last few years, your future first is somewhere in the late twenties. Or if you're going to get that playmaker that puts you over the top in the thirties, hopefully number 32 at the end of the day, wouldn't that be worth it? Wouldn't you, you know, have that peace of mind saying, I know we don't have a first round pick this year, but there's a super bowl trophy in that trophy case. Uh, we we have our future number one wide receiver that when Diggs leaves, that he will be that guy or maybe he becomes that guy even sooner than that and Diggs and, and this player become 1A, 1B, whether it's Rome or neighbors, um, whomever it is. So I'm actually on... If you're going to make a move like that, I'm on board with the Bills trading away a, a future first. I, I'm kind of sick of people being... Uh, and I'm not saying this person that, that posed the question, is, but anytime it gets posed, I feel like there's a lot of the fan base that says, no, you can't give up a future first. Well, if you're going to be as good as you've been, then you should be on board with that. Now, could a down year happen? Could there be injuries that occur and, and it ends up being a high pick? Yeah, but that's the crap shoot of the NFL. This roster with Josh Allen is going to be a team in my mind that's always picking in the in the 20s. Um unless you can get that playmaker, and then maybe it will be in the thirties and 32 specifically.
0: See, the thing for me is I'm not super passionate on either side of it. I, I see the, 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 the validity in both approaches, right? Like, like going up and getting a guy, if you 100% think that guy is going to be the difference maker in your offense, you're right. Like you're not giving up what a lot, what, what somebody would be giving up. That's going to be, you know, picking in the teens next year. There's obviously a big difference in value, but again, like the Bills have found starters at, at, at late in the first round over the course of their career, or, or over the course of the run uh, by Brandon Bean, so it's it's something that you have to weigh. And I just look at guys like I mentioned Dell. I may, I mentioned uh, St. Brown. I look at a guy like George Pickens last year that went, or two years ago that went at fifty-two. Like there's guys that you can get that can come in and be. Difference makers that you know, we see guys kind of slip. Like right now, we're seeing Brian Thomas as a you know, uh, you know, teens, early 20s kind of pick. You know, who knows? Like we saw that for Pickens, like it's at yeah. one point or another in the draft process. Maybe Thomas moves back and you can move back and get that guy like early in the second round. And I'm, I'm just throwing out a name, who knows the situation? Um, but I do agree, I think Adunze or neighbors to me. I think one of those guys you can get up in range. And I think it, it, or if you can get up in range, it's, it's definitely worse worth contemplating, but you have to have that plan on the other side of it. Like to me, the biggest mistake in drafting Kyrie Elam is the bills seemed to panic when they didn't get Trent McDuffie and they felt like, okay, we got to get this position, which is a departure from how Brandon Bean, notorious, like, uh, Historically, runs the draft like he never picks a position just to pick a position, and it felt like that. I'm not saying that they did that, but it felt like that because Elam. I don't know, like you know, I, I think he did say at one point that Elam had a first round grade on their board, but you know they haven't treated him like a first round pick. No, uh, since they've since they've had him.
1: Yeah, I, I think they said Elam was their last player with a first round grade when they drafted him, so that's why they wanted to move up and grab him where they did, and um, and, and I get that and. You know, George Pickens, I I loved him as a prospect. There were definitely red flags that caused him to drop, but this team has built a culture since 2017 at what point are you going to feel comfortable taking some of these players that have some red flags then where the talent might outweigh the risk of those red flags coming on board and and trying to get them in round two like pittsburgh did and i, I know there's been some sideline outbursts i know there's been some issues in in pittsburgh but the talents there as well but you know matt while you were talking I just on a whim i typed in 28th overall draft picks nfl history so the Again, this is what the Bills have this year. doesn't mean that's what they have next year, but here's the list. Miles Murphy, Devontae Wyatt, Peyton Turner, Patrick Queen, Jerry Tillery, Terrell Edmonds, Taco Charlton, Joshua Garnett, Lakin Tomlinson, Kelvin Benjamin, Sylvester Williams, Nick Perry, Mark Ingram, Jared Odrick, our friend Eric Wood, Lawrence Jackson, Joe Staley, Mercedes Lewis, Louis Castillo, and the list goes on and on not a ton of difference makers I would say on that list and it kind of just goes back to that talking point where if I'm Buffalo this is the year to try to get one of those premier wide receivers if you can if one of them slides into those early teen range and give up the future first because for every hit that there is there uh I'm okay with you know moving up and, and trying to get a guy that you feel a lot more confident is going to be a disruptor from day one for you. Let's go to the next uh, question here. I want to fly through a couple more of those. Good one from Kevin. Um,
0: trade uh, Kyer Elam, Dawson Knox and Von Miller with a first round pick to the bears and then take Marvin Harrison. If on the bears,
1: they're if, laughing so hard.
0: Yeah, like if you're throwing Von Miller and I don't think anybody's trading for Von Miller. First of all, the you know, the off-the-field situation where he's at in, in at his age, the production, the lack of production last season, Von Miller's trade value has never been lower than it is right now. So I think you got to throw him out right there. I had an argument with Joe Biscal Buscalia on the Mega Pod that I did with him and John Scott and Sal about Kyrie Elam's trade value. Like, I'm much more bullish on Kyrie Elam. I think you could, if you were open to dealing Kyrie Elam around the draft, I think you can get maybe even a third, maybe even a late second. Like, everybody's looking for cornerbacks, like, all the time. And we've seen Brandon Bean get a a bigger return on guys that he's traded in the past when a lot of people thought you wouldn't get anything for him. I mean, Russell Bodine comes comes to mind, of course, a little bit different of a situation. But I, I... and maybe you don't get as high as a second, but it, you know, a third, a fourth, if you're, if you're looking to move in a different direction, maybe draft another cornerback that you feel is a better fit. uh, And then just kind of in it, in and out kind of situation. Um, wh- Where are you at on Elam's trade value?
1: I, I would say a fourth round pick is what you could get for him right now. And I'm, you know, I'm not listening. If I'm Buffalo, uh, I am going to give him another opportunity, you know, even if it ends up not working out, even if you end up giving him that bust label, I'm not giving up on a first round pick, especially now that there is that opportunity. Uh, th- there's no secret that he butted heads with with Butler in, in that secondary room. They didn't. There seems to be something or some reason why they didn't seem to get along. And um, based on the comments that Kyrie Lim has made, we've talked in this show about you know, Trey White and the future of Russell Douglas, there's an opportunity there for Kyrie Elam to step in and, and play a significant role, whether it's as the number two cornerback or a future number one. And I'm not sure he'll ever pan out and be a future number one cornerback for this team or anywhere, but I don't want to give up on him this early either. I want to see what he has uh, given this fresh start injuries definitely hurt him this year, but he's made plays at times too, when he's been on the field. Uh, he's made more plays in the postseason at cornerback than it feels like we we've seen from any cornerback here in the last few years. So there is something there, but in terms of that trade offer, uh, I think the bears probably hang up the phone. As soon as you say future first Dawson Knox, and you know, you start going from there, they're not listening to that. They're going to get a, if they trade that pick, they are getting a Hall with a capital H uh, for that pick and, and Buffalo just doesn't have that kind of capital to do it.
0: Uh, Daniel Kolb. I am going to be creative. Brandon Bean must sign a contract in blood regarding the draft. The contract reads, I will draft a wide receiver with my first pick. I'm forbidden from drafting a safety until round three or later, forbidden from drafting D line and specifically defensive tackle until round five or later. And I must draft at a minimum. Uh, Two wide receivers. So long as I abide by the secret contract, I may select any player of use to the Buffalo Bills. I think Josh Allen uh, would be willing to (laughs) co-sign. Thoughts on on Daniel's uh, approach to the draft.
1: Is Brandon Bean just signing his name in blood, or is he writing the entire contract in blood? Because he probably passes out halfway through it. (laughs) If he's writing the whole contract in blood, uh, that thing is not getting signed. We're going to need a transfusion for the guy. Uh, if he's just signing his name in blood. No, I mean, listen, I, I get the rules. I get the frustration from the fan base. Uh, they haven't really drafted wide receivers high. I, I think that he gets knocked for that a lot, and I'm not sure if it's fair. You know, there was one year that they signed John Brown and Cole Beasley to kind of be difference makers at wide receiver uh, for them, so they felt like it wasn't a need. They traded for Stefan Diggs using a first-round pick. Uh, So you could argue that they spent a first-round pick on a wide receiver in this regime. It's just been something, and then Gabe Davis kind of comes along and they probably felt like they had a wide receiver too there. I don't think the Bills have been in that spot where they genuinely felt that wide receiver was a higher priority than some of these other players or positions that they've drafted uh, during his tenure. So right now, is it a bigger need? Absolutely. Does that guarantee he's going to take one in round one? No. No. But I I wouldn't be shocked if they came away with two wide receivers in this draft class.
0: Um, We want you to come away uh, to Buffalo if you're not here. Or if you're in Buffalo, come out to Wingnuts on March 16th. That is our next – live episode of shout we will be at wing nuts 1402 millersport highway we got a couple other live shows that we're working on that we're talking to some folks about really exciting things happening in the shout world this off season we want to get you guys locked in as soon as possible got three weeks to plan Three sixteen day it is going to be shout at wing nuts 1402 millersport highway it'll be our big free agency preview show we can't wait for that all right ryan get back to your vacation buddy thank you so much for uh taking some time for us
1: yeah absolutely I uh, love joining you on the show and chatting with the bills mafia so happy to do it there it is
0: we will see you next week everybody have a nice long uh that's not a long weekend but enjoy the weekend and the rest of your regular week take care everybody